this episode of the full nerd ryzen 7000 is here b650e announced and usb 4 2.0 Welcome to episode 227 of The Full Nerd. I'm your host, Gordon Maung, with co-host Brad Charkas. Hello, Internet. Eleni Yi is also in one of these boxes. I'm already hungry, thanks to the pre-show time. I know, I know. And Anna Patrick Murray is controlling the vertical and horizontal. Uh, it, food talk. It, it's me, yeah, brisket. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, both Gordon and I uh, packed up a bag of of Austin brisket at the airport and uh, transported it back to the Bay Area. We stepped off the plane and I was like, dude, I think we're the only people in this airport that have Austin brisket right now. Uh, so, you know, it felt, it felt like the cool kids club. Uh, a lot of people did ask if we got brisket. Uh, they did have some, some barbecue at the event. Uh, the the Gordon and I went to for it's the AMD good. stuff. We'll, we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, yeah, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I feel like middling brisket in, in Texas is still better than a lot of barbecue in other places. So yeah, especially in the Bay area. So, you know, like, yeah. And then at the airport, one of my favorite barbecue places ever, uh, Salt Lake, uh, has a, a, a little, they used to have a pop-up stand the years ago. So I, I guess they upgraded to a, a big food vendor place. And yeah, we both got brisket sandwiches with some, some baked beans that had brisket in it. Uh, and it was, oh. It was it was a great time. <laughs> I need to fly through Texas next time I travel out here. Oh yes, you too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So food talk. Let, let's save that towards the end. Let's save that towards the end. Instead, Gordon, let's talk about Ryzen Seven Thousand. The the whole lineup. Well, not the whole lineup, but the lineup that they want to tell us right now is uh has, right. has been released. Yeah. So uh, you know, as has been tradition, they announced the X parts, which are the higher end parts. There's four we're going to kick off. This is a slide. Probably you've seen this on a million other channels or other stories in the Internet or just heard people talking. I'm going to recap for audio listeners. you got the Ryzen 7950X, 16 cores, 5.7 gigahertz boost, Ooh. 80 megs of cache, 170 watt TDP. Ryzen 9, 12 cores, 5.6 gigahertz boost, 76 megs of cache, also 170 watt TDP. Ryzen 7 7700, 8 cores, 40 megs of cache, 105 watt TDP. And, of course, uh, down at the kind of entry level, uh, Ryzen 5 7600, 6 cores, 5.3 gigahertz boost, 38 megs of cache, 105 watt TDP. Uh, I didn't mention the prices here on the slide. It's actually the back end, but I guess we should throw it out there. Uh, what, uh, uh, 6? Yeah, Oh, yeah. oh, there we go. Okay, I, I I got the prices. There we go. Okay. So on the prices, six ninety nine at the top end, which is the AMD's essentially said everything is basically at the same price or lower. Seventy uh, nine hundred five forty nine. Okay, definitely that's about the same. Seventy seven hundred X three ninety nine. 7600X 299 and for pricing comparisons I would say against launch parts pretty reasonable or at least actually very similar or lower but the weird thing is the 7700X is uh, at 399 people go like oh but the 5700X was whatever 299 but you have to remember that part came months and months and months and months later 
Like a year and a half later. Um, yeah, so a year and a half later, and basically things were already sort of in free fall that, at point on prices. So it's probably, you could compare it, I think they think it's closer to a 5800X sort of in that spot at the launch. It, it takes the place of the 5800X. Um, well, and, and I guess that's why I'm, I'm a little confused because they were like, oh yeah, it's it's the same prices or lower, except for that one SKU, 5700X versus seven. 770 except uh, 7700x it's like well no because that if you look at that launch price and you look at that launch price it's not the same and they're like oh yeah no this is slotting into the you know 5800x slot well then why not call this the 7800x that that that's the thing i'm confused my, about my yeah. guess is they're leaving room in there to have that be the vcash chip mm-hmm yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one too, Brad, because, you know, there's a lot of speculation, although there's a lot of speculation because um, AMD says, hey, we, we know you love Vcash. We we are working on that. That is coming. It is not here today. We're going to launch it one day, um, but today it's not here. But, yeah, clearly you have this kind of weird spot, like why not just call this the 7800X instead of the 7700X because this part <laughs> will – Probably easily outperform the 5800X, uh, my guess, on everything that looks at 8-core versus 8-core. So we don't know. I mean, I've also heard speculation. There's rumors, and I don't even know if this is technically feasible um, with the 2-die config, but they're saying there's going to be a 10-core version of Ryzen. There will be a Ryzen uh, uh, 7800X with 10 cores. That's the one rumor. Uh, the other rumor is, you know, I sort of, I'm with the Vcash kind of slotting in there, one part, but there are rumors that there will be multiple Vcash versions. I think there's been a, a popular tweet citing from somebody who does get often leaks pretty close. They're saying there's going to be three Vcash parts at the high end. Um, I guess it doesn't necessarily make, you could still do a 7800X3D and then still do the two additional Vcash versions, but it does seem like an awful lot of parts there. But I, I'm, if anything, I think there will be a 7800X3D. That, to me, is would be my guess. Yeah, that's at, my at guess the very too. least. At the very least, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, l- l- let's... Taking a step back from the price, I mean, maybe we talk about it uh, again in a little bit, but the the actual performance, just kind of going over the, the performance stuff, I mean, we're talking about a 16-core, which the 5950X was also 16-core, but this is boosting up to 5.7 gigahertz on this slide, base of 4.5. Uh, I mentioned this in our live stream. If if you want to go watch the live stream, we had a, we had a good, a good fun time down in in Austin with a bunch of other uh, folks, Ian and Wendell and Steve. Uh, it was a great time. But when they showed the uh, Pavre demo uh, when on on stage uh, on Monday, the the Pavre little uh, readout said that it was running all core five point one gigahertz, uh, which I thought was was pretty nuts. Oh, uh, I think it was V-Ray. It wasn't Pavre, but... Oh, I'm sorry, V-Ray. Yes, you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. They, all above. That's impressive, right? And they also said that the 7600X is going to outgun the 12900K in gaming, yep. which, again, that's a big deal, too. Yeah, we have that slide. You want to go to... Um... Uh, 19, Adam? 19, come Because clearly this is, you know... A little flex here on Intel because 12900K. There is yes, the 12900KS part that gives you a little bit more, but you know that's that that was Intel's own kind of um, finger at AMD. 
the 7600 will actually, for audio listeners, I'll, I'll repeat this, 2% more for Middle Earth Shadow, uh, Shadow of War. Uh, F1 2022, uh, 7600X will outperform the 12900K by 12%. GTA 5, a little bit of, AMD likes to do this. They throw in, you know, some, you know, lower scores to say it helps them with their message saying, look, we're telling you the truth here. GTA 5, the uh, 12900K is about 3%. Well, the 7600K, 7600X is 3% slower. It's basically dead even with a, a 27, cyber, in Cyberpunk 2077 and Rainbow Six Siege, which is, is very, very uh, CPU limited. The 7600X is 17% faster than the 12900K, which is a, that is very impressive. You know, and of course, you know, realistically, in most games, again, again, the CPU is is not. You should be putting all your money into the GPU still. But uh, to me, the probably of all these games, it's Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, and I will say, all the all the games were at 1080p high, so we're not looking at you know 4K Ultra or even 1080p uh, Ultra. So with a very high end card, I think these were 6950 XTs, uh, 3600 DDR, and I think CL30. It's pretty good to see 17% more out of Rainbow Six Siege uh, than the 12900K, which is exceptionally fast in uh, uh, something that isn't uh, GPU limited. And, and, I mean, you're talking about almost double the price. Uh, so, yeah, and that's yeah. I think that's, you know, AMD's, you know, because definitely a lot of people are saying, oh, well, you know, Core i5 was as fast as a 5950X too. But, yeah, of course, y- your marketing slides – on announcements are, are designed to show your uh, competitor at its weakest, um, even though it's probably not that it's not that significant. Uh, I still think this is still a really good look overall when you have the the entry level part or lowest end 7600x as as fast as Intel's best, you know, real part, not counting the uh, KS part. Uh, we have a, uh, a question from uh, Dr. Ian Cutris, Tech Tech Potato, says, uh, does this mean Intel will have to push 5.2 gigahertz on the Core i3 now? <laughs> I don't think Intel will do that, you know? I mean, that'd be interesting, but I'm, I I don't think so. I, You know, because we're going to get into, because Raptor, you know, the, all of this is against 12th Gen Alder Lake. Um, when you're talking about 13th Gen, that's a different cuttlefish, and people are like, well, why aren't you comparing it to, well, um, Intel does not share pre-release product with AMD, and AMD does not share it with them either. That's not how it works. You, this is very much a game. I was just thinking about this earlier because uh, this is a game not only in actual manufacturing, like you, the manufacturing, engineering, like what you're making. It's also a game of marketing because you, you make your move, and then your competitor makes your move. Is that, I, do you think it's kind of like an RTS is it real time? I don't think it's actually real time. What's what are those games turn where based. it's a turn based game? So we're basically making these chips as turn based. You basically kind of like, oh, I'm going to set this up and then I'm going to make this move and then they make their move. So now Ryzen 7000s here. They they've made their move. They put their card down. Now it's going to be Intel's turn to put a card down. I actually, you know, I wish then AMD will put the Vcash card down. And then AMD mm. will put a Vcash <laughs> card down. And, you know, and, and that's that's very much turn-based. They don't, you don't, everybody wants to rush to the end and want to know, well, how's 7,000 going to do against 13? It's like, you know, when, when 13 Gen Raptor like, gets intermediary, like, that's when you're going to know. But right now, this is what we know because these are these are comparisons from a for, uh, for-profit public company 
that they cannot make up. There are lawyers in this slide. I know I bag on lawyers a lot because they are the no fun part of every company. No, actually, I guess IT is actually the no fun part. <laughs> the lawyers are the one that keep soon, you Gordon, straight. The, the lawyers are the one that keep you straight. I know I bag on lawyers a lot, but the lawyers are the one that save your butt from like, oh, now you're out of business. So that's lawyers, you got that. But these uh, these are based on real comparisons in, in at Intel and AMD and NVIDIA. So they are real. They can't make stuff up. So that's what well, you got to go. Well, uh, I mean, we're talking about power and kind of, you know, pushing things to the max, but AMD is also talking about efficiency, uh, their their efficiency angle, which we kind of had had assumed that they were going to kind of play, you know, going into it. I mean, they, they definitely did touch on it. So do you, do you want to you wanna show off uh, one of those slides? Uh, let's see. Which one do we have? Well, we have the one. Oh, wait. Maybe I – did I cut them out because we were – uh, 29 is one of the uh, efficiency ones? Yeah, we'll start off with 29. And this is a 5950X versus a 7950X. Um, I believe they are locked at 4 gigahertz, right, for this one. I can't remember the demo. 60, so at 65 watts, the 79, here's what they're saying. At 65 watts, the 7950X is 74% um, uh, more performance, right? Am I getting that right? God, it's 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 been two days now and my brain is already okay dog yeah i know so my dog is like come on dude i gotta like at 105 watts there are uh, 7950x is 37 percent increase in performance and uh this last one is very interesting because they're saying um at 170 watts which is where the 7950x can get to it would be 35 percent um more performance than a 5950X. Uh, and of course people are like, well, 5950X doesn't get up to 170 watts. Um, that is basically an extrapolation made by AMD based on the 5950X uh, versus the actual 7950X. And I was told this, and this is the, this is the thing, <laughs> the lawyers have signed off on this. If you're seeing this on this chart, the lawyers have signed off on this. So whatever the math they use is real, but you're basically getting really good efficiency versus from Zen 3 to Zen 4. I mean, quite the a thing, bit, especially at 65 watts. The thing that's interesting to me is that the TDP on these have actually gone up. Mm -hmm. uh, the 7700X and 7600X are now 105 watt TDPs rather than 65 watts. And this all kind of ties into uh, AMD has a memory architect, Sam Napsiger, I believe is pronounced, uh, who works across all their products. Uh, and he was actually doing interviews recently, I think it was with PC Gamer, where he was talking about RDNA 3 coming out. It might have been Tom's hardware uh, saying that it's interesting because, yes, we're going to be driving efficiency. We're going to be making these as efficient as possible, but power use is still going up. So, yes, these parts are much more efficient, but they still have a higher TDP and use more power. It's Which, interesting. A, yeah. a good point. I, I thought that, too, because I have a 5600X in my small four-factor gaming machine now. You know, and one of the reasons is because of low TDP, low heat. And then I'm like looking at the 7600X and I'm like, uh, I mean, obviously I game at 4K, so it, it doesn't really matter at that point. But, you know, I was just like, oh, that, that's, it is a little bit of a bummer. It is a little bit of a bummer. Well, we'll have to see if they keep it up with the Ryzen 7000 series. But currently there's an option in Adrenaline settings or Ryzen Master, whichever software you use. There's a checkbox you can log at the 65 watt mode. Uh, and they e did make a point of mode, right? Yes, eco yes. mode. And they made a point of showing some numbers of these chips running at 65 watts during the presentation. So I hope that option is still available for small form factors like that. Well, I, I, I do I do want to say that, I, you know, I know 
people get really, really <laughs> hung up on power efficiency. We they don't exist in a vacuum. You could certainly get seventy six hundred X to run perfectly fine at sixty five watt TDP, mm-hmm. but you also it ain't hitting five point four gigahertz. It ain't hitting five point four gigahertz, <laughs> and the reason they have to push it uh, farther is because of this company called Intel. Intel has some phenomenal twelve ten parts. They swing for the fences on power. <laughs> like, what? Power for what? If you go all core on Alder Lake, it definitely does not. Okay, dog, I know. I'm sorry. They do not. <laughs> they do not. They are not going. They are. They don't care about it. They, 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 Intel, like, they're going to, they're going to go for it because they know that as a driver, somebody going to the store, somebody going to the internet, they see bigger bars better on performance, frame rates, time to render, time to encode. That always, always, always sells people more than like, oh, oh boy, it's it's thirty percent saved power. Like, who cares? That that's just something that consumers. I know everybody's like, oh, but the price of power. That is just not what has ever driven most people. They never well, look at that. Or, or I, I, w- I would say. It, it's not as uh you know flashy to get up on stage and be like oh look at the less power that we're using you know like right we lose but we use so much less power and, and it just doesn't it just does not have the same you're talking about a crowd if you're buying a desktop for gaming the thing that sort of like moves your emotions is like oh man i get higher frame rates i win more i'm better than the person next to me that i'm on the internet trying to beat there's like well i'm losing playing this online game but i'm saving a third more power than you that is not a message that ever works with anybody i'm sorry well i don't know that's fair gordon because i feel like if a company was losing and they said like hey look how much look how much uh power efficiency we're bringing you look at the lower heat uh that's being you know going to be output by these ships they're going to get up on stage and they're going to be like do you like some small form factor with your small form factor? We got small form factor for you because that is hot right now. People love building small form factor builds right oh. now. And that, I mean, like if I was in their marketing team, that's what I would do if, if I were in that scenario. So I don't think it's like the absolute hopeless case that you're saying. Also, I think that this argument only applies to the high end, which obviously we're talking about because that's all you're going to get for launch, right? But I think this is going to be a very interesting story when and who will know how long how long that when is going to last. But when the submit the, the true mid and lower uh, budget chips come out like this is going to be very interesting to see who comes out on top in that field, because honestly, that's where you're going to sell more. That's where you're going to sell. Well, more yeah. Stuff. Also, uh, and Brad's talked about this too. We we expect that maybe one of the battles between Nvidia and RDNA three is going to be like, oh hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be using way less wattage. So you know, they're gonna push it there. They could push it in CPUs as well if they needed to. So yeah, it makes a difference right now, especially like the U.S. has long been insulated from the energy concerns that Europe and other parts of the world has, but not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I know everybody, people are way more sensitive about it now, but I, I just, you know, in the history of the PC, you, you don't go totally out, agree. you don't go out like, oh, we are just so much more efficient with power savings, but my performance is worse. That may, that may hold, that may work for like a small form factor box that's sitting in a dentist's office or a laptop. Or honestly. GPUs. Uh <laughs> I don't think so. Would you take a? I, I, let me just let's just fast forward now. Would you take an RDNA three card that is um, 
one third slower than its equivalent NVIDIA part, or uh, but saves more power. So like it one wouldn't third, be a third slower. I'm just yeah, making yeah, that. Yeah, you're kind of you're, yeah. you're, you're, yeah. no, you're going I mean, to extremes, uh, buddy. Like ten <laughs> percent maybe. I'm, I'm just saying it just doesn't. If it's if it's like oh my gosh, they're like very close, but this one saves you a lot more power. Okay, maybe, but I don't I don't think it really kind of gets really gets honestly it. for me. It depends on the experience. If that. I, I would take a card that is 10% slower if uh, it was more efficient enough that it could be pretty silent, like as an everyday use experiment uh, experience uh, over something that's big and hot and loud. Hmm. Like I, I like the I like the silence. Yeah, no, I agree because the last time my kids gave me money for the electric bill was zero times. <laughs> they don't care about how much the power is going to cost. I, I mean, That's but they probably different. care that it's sitting next to them. It's loud as hell and it's spitting off a ton of heat, and they're just like, "Oh boy, yeah, I'm cooking myself." So I don't. I just I, I think efficiency matters, though. I think what's getting caught up in this discussion is efficiency matters. Like before the ten GTX ten series came out and kicked all kinds of butt. Before they could take that step, I've, I've mentioned this before in here, they had to get the GTX 900 series in order with Maxwell. They got the efficiency, so it's really good. And then when you have the efficiency, that's when you can start playing around with performance and doing all this other stuff. Having better efficiency lets you be a lower watt part, or it lets you scale things up. Uh, it looks here like they're kind of doing both. So, I mean, 5.7 gigahertz and potentially more efficient, like, that's yeah. really interesting. No, the efficiency is so, but again, yeah, I agree if you're really like wailing in the performance bars, but like in priority, it's always going to be performance bars more yeah. important than efficiency bars. Um, yep. Let's go to like, let's do slide 31 because that was Zen on Zen, yeah, blue on blue, right? He, he wants to so, move on. Let's talk about this one. No, 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 because this is still, <laughs> this is I, still I also. Up. I put a poll up. Don't I worry. I saw the poll. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get answers about efficiency with this uh, poll to the chat. So I'm voting uh, yes, Gordon is wrong. <laughs> 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 Good. Uh, so, yeah, th this chart is interesting as well because, yeah, this is comparing it to Alder Lake, which should have similar architecture to... Uh, uh, Somewhat. To, same socket, anyway. Yes, yeah, same same size. Uh, that I'm talking about this, like, little, you know, chart that they show, like, how, how big it is. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be different, you know, power-wise when, when that comes out, so... Yeah, so we're, uh, for audio listeners, we're talking about the slide the AMD showed off. It's called Leadership High Performance Efficiency. Uh, it's, it essentially compares a Zen 4 core versus an Alder Lake a Golden Cove core, or better known as the P core. Um, and there's an image showing the Zen 4 core with its L2 cache overlaid over the Alder Lake P core with its L2 cache. And. <laughs> The Zen 4 is 50% less area versus competitor and 47% more energy efficient versus competitor. And they're basically saying it's um, SOC performance per watt is 1.47x that of an Alder Lake uh, P-Core. So significant power efficiency advantages over Alder Lake is what AMD is claiming. And I will point out the way they did it for Zen on Zen was at the socket. So socket power for power comparisons. This comparison for the 47% um, more efficient is based on total system power instead of at the socket. I'm not sure why they did it that way. Uh, and the other thing that's a little, I think a little bit of a disconnect for me, it kind of bugs me, is when they did Zen on Zen, they used Cinebench R23. 
which is, you know, everybody's been, everybody loves Cinebench. And then for the power efficiency comparison with Alder Lake, they use V-Ray. Um, there are some reasons I actually, Ian says, well, you know, you know, uh, V-Ray probably, it actually uses more power than Cinebench. I haven't looked at it, but so that might be a reason why. But the other thing I, the thing that kind of got me was Cinebench R23 and Alder Lake uh, 12900K is actually faster than a 5950X, slightly. I mean, but it's faster. Uh, in V-Ray, the Alder Lake is slower than the 5950X. So it, it kind of makes you wonder of like, did you pick this to make it put it in the better light or was this really because you know uh, v-ray just simply uses more power and that's probably a better way to get a, a reading of the power efficiency of the cpus i don't know we'll find out when we get it but to me i would rather have seen both of them using the same methodologies for comparison because it's easy to see these and go they were probably lost the recording but all right well there's the connection okay uh i think we're back Oh boy! <laughs> Let's see. It's all that brisket, man. Oh, hiccups. There we are. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yay! Yay! <laughs> yay for uh, troubles. There's always trouble. Always trouble. Uh, dang it! And I had I had my notepad up with all these sweet questions that I was holding from people. Uh, Gotta start sorry about that. Control S, man. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> So, hey, welcome back. We're <laughs> I'm here. I guess I will say uh I have not found uh a, me a stable memory timing on 12th gen. Uh and yeah. <laughs> Real talk. So, yeah, for yeah, so every time I have XMP on on uh, this 12900K, uh I always get a blue screen whenever I ham it hard and I totally forgot to turn it off before the show. So, sorry everyone. Uh <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> Woohoo. Anyway, that, your presentation. Andy. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Okay, well, XMP is off now. Uh and and I'm glad hopefully hopefully it'll stay stable. Uh I'm getting weird was, audio transients myself, but Yeah, from, it's the thing about your audio, Adam, that there's like this weird like bouncing between my ears thing. Oh, yeah. Great. <clears throat> Uh, okay. okay. Well, well, we're back. Well, what I was talking about, I don't know if y'all could hear me, is, wow, my screen's really bright. Uh, I'm really impressed by not just the clock speeds. Like, uh, clock speeds have always been kind of a knock against Ryzen. They couldn't get uh, as high clock speeds as Intel Core stuff traditionally. And seeing all these 5.3 gigahertz boosts for the 7600X all the way up to yeah. 5.7 gigahertz, that's great. But the thing that really took me by surprise the most is the prices. Uh, I agree with AMD's PR that I think the 7700X essentially replaces the 58, uh, 5800X, so I'm not upset about that price point. Uh, but we were just saying this a couple weeks ago. Where do you think the prices will be? And I said, I think everything will be 10% higher. So to see you know, everything yep. coming in the same up to $100 lower on the high-end chip, mm -hmm. like that really took me by surprise, considering everything going on in the world these days. Yeah. I mean, there have been price increases from TSM. TSMC that have made public. So the fact that they're actually keeping prices lower, especially on that, there's that's a member that that, that 7950X is a two chip design. Um, it's kind of says something. I mean, I know there's going to be someone who say, well, they shouldn't have charged so much in the first place. But 
still, this is the fact that prices are going down. I can tell you I'm not going to the store and getting my brisket for less money than I did a year <laughs> ago. So I think that's an excellent point you're making, Brad, because that it is quite a surprise. And, and you know, Intel is on the record saying, you think this is going to be cheap next year? It's not. Price is going to go up. If, the, if Intel increases pricing and AMD is lowering prices, although Intel, let's, let's be honest, Intel had very, very aggressive prices on their CPUs to begin with. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting where where 13th gen prices in at versus uh, 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 Ryzen 7000, I think. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting fall. We got this. We got Raptor Lake lining up. We have RDNA 3 and very likely RTX 4000 series lining up. So I'm real excited for this fall. Oh, already uh, tired thinking about it, but <laughs> I know it's, it's I'm I'm already tired and I just I'm already been and back Intel. two days. Page 20. Can we do a uh, slide 26? <clears throat> Um, this is again. This is sort of like Zen efficiency. This is Zen one or Zen three versus Zen four. Uh, basically, they, this is what I was re referring to earlier. They basically locked two eight core CPUs at four gigahertz, and we are seeing the IPC uplift across these. You know, and they basically, you know, IPC is not what you know. Fifteen years ago, I was told. I was too dumb to calculate IPC because you had to do it a certain way. And, you know, you got to, you got to like, this is the way you do it. If you're trying to do it, your, your, your cheap way of just locking two products at the same time and running one benchmark, that's not how you do it. You have to do it in a proper method. I guess AMD is like saying, yeah, let's just do a whole bunch of stuff. So clock for clock from Zen three to Zen four, you're seeing everything from, you know, 1% up to 39%. Um, Ian actually asked a very good question. He's like, you throw that 39% in there and it really kind of tilts the scale in your favor, doesn't it? But overall, they're saying, based on this, they're saying overall 13% increase in IPC, just just from the CPU design. So that that's different from clock speeds. That's different from clock speeds because they also, again, they, they crank up the clocks um, by in using more power. And they actually did on slide 27, they actually show like, okay, of those 22 desktop workloads from Zen 3 to Zen 4, you get 13%. Here's how it breaks down. They've done this in the past. I, I like this because you always kind of wonder like, how are you getting all this performance increase? And they're basically saying some was from the L2 cache because the cache is larger now. Some was from the execution engine, branch prediction increase, increases, load store improvements, front end improvements. Basically, it's just a 13% better part just on that. And then when you throw in the higher, the higher, uh, thermal ratings as well as the higher clocks, then you get to pretty very impressive uh, performance gains over Ryzen 5000, which is still a pretty damn good chip, right? Yeah, great chip. You're muted, Adam. Oh, you're, yeah, you're muted, Adam. <laughs> uh, and then actually the last thing I want to get to, let's just do slide, because we're going to talk about chipsets next. Let's do slide 45, because it's a very... <laughs> it's a very timely topic for Adam because this is slide 45. Um, this concerns AMD's new Expo technology. There have been some leaks mm -hmm. about it. I think there were some other names that I, I, I forget what the other name that everybody universally bagged on, but it's, it's basically AMD's uh, version of XMP. Of course, XMP. Okay, dog. I know. Yeah. You got to get down. You got to wait. Intel's XMP is extreme memory profile. It is basically a small bit of storage in every DIM. It's called an SPD. The motherboard boots up. It goes and looks at that, and it tells, like you said, 
this field you set this is the clock you run at this latency this sub timing so it basically goes to that and it looks up what to set that to what to set the memory up to when you boot the system uh intel owns xmp and uh, actually the funny thing is that you know if you want to get even older nvidia had actually tried some of this with its enforce chipsets GeForce memory, I don't remember remembers that, but there was actually memory that was optimized for um, overclocking uh, RAM. Uh, Intel basically stepped in and says, yeah, we're going to do this. And Intel basically, with they took over the whole memory profile thing. I always thought it was quite okay, but apparently it's enough to irk AMD now. Um, they have done their own memory profiles, but they're doing Expo now. They're basically saying, just on memory... If you set the Expo profile, so you buy your Ryzen 7000, you buy Expo module, so you'll have to look at the box. It'll say Expo on it. You could potentially get 11% improvement in a game just from turning on the Expo profiles. And it'll, also, it'll be very situational, just like it is with XMP. Like, if you like, that'll make sense if you're using like low end graphics that hammered that more. Yeah, they don't expect to see that in every circumstance. That'll be an edge case to have that much of an increase. But it's good to see AMD having its own alternative to XMP because they basically even all the rides and chips at this point just basically piggyback off of XMP. It even says XMP if I remember correctly in the BIOS is for some motherboards. Yeah. So I mean the reason um, you know the XMP has been in all because you know you can run XMP profiles <laughs> for AMD. Um, the thing though that's very interesting about expo is you see that that line where they say clear public cert reports provide full specs and oc settings so basically and the last one it's fair it's license and royalty free memory specification which um, i need to dive into because i had no idea because xmp that was that was settled law 15 years ago i didn't realize there was royalties with it i didn't realize it was um that opaque to maybe what we see, what the public sees. So that's worth diving into. But basically with Expo, it looks like you buy your memory, you go to your memory maker, the module makers uh, site, you download the report and you can compare this modules Expo report versus that. So you know exactly what is going on um, for that. And I will say, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. Uh, And the fine print at the bottom uh, one is, uh, by the way, GD26, I'm going to read this off, AMD's product warranty does not cover damages caused by overclocking, even when overclocking is enabled via AMD hardware or software. So yes, if you enable Expo, you are technically voiding your warranty. Again, their lawyers uh, made them say that, um, just like they tell all business people, you have to say these things like, here's my warranty on my backpack, you had to throw that in there. Lawyers are, again, the people that are there that make everything no fun, so... One of my favorite commercials of all time, it was like a club scene that had like one of those SUVs, like a RAV4 or something driving on it, like they were crowd surfing it. And in small letters at the bottom, it said, always drive on roads, never on people. (laughs) 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 So yeah, lawyers, lawyers do their thing. They do their thing. And we like, man, why are you making me do this? It's like, okay, you know what? Take that off. Take the, you know what? You know, you know, I went to, I, I I went to Yale law. Just ignore me. Just, just go ahead. (laughs) Okay, I'll do it. Oh, we just got sued for what? Somebody drove their RAV4 over people because they saw our video. Well, who would be that stupid? 
you know, maybe uh, if you'd put a thing on there that says, <laughs> do not drive your RAV4 over people, they wouldn't sue us. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. I, I bag on lawyers, but lawyers save your ass all the, in the time. In the real world, if you ran into issues, you would not have any trouble exchanging a part. Yeah. Yep. And I just also want to mention for that 11% gain claim, they are saying – uh, that is based on a 7950X with a G-Skill DDR5 6000C30 with Expo enabled versus the same processor, which is JEDEC DDR5 5200. So, okay, 6000C30 versus DDR5 5200. Um, Got to note that as well. Yep. I'm just looking can, at the other subnotes. Can I jump in real quick with something that I um absurdly preoccupied with now that chat has been talking about this you know how we're talking about energy efficiency and gordon's like whatever no one cares about electricity costs oh yeah somebody, i'm gonna end the poll whoops forgot to end somebody that. says uh i think it's uh Satnav in chat said that starting October 1st in the UK, it's going to be, I just did the uh, conversion, it's going to be 58 cents per kilowatt hour for them, plus like a, a daily charge. That's like almost double what is in the Bay Area, which I think is like already more expensive than most parts of the country. Ooh. Which uh, uh, Raspberry Pi is he going to switch to? <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Gordon coming I, after him. It's uh, all about efficiency. I mean, <laughs> well, you even we're get a Raspberry right. Pi these days. I've I've been told that they are very hard to get, and you pay like way premium on oh, them, like a God. huge premium yeah. on them. You got killed one. by supply chain, huh? These days, I guess the whole thirty dollars thing is like, yeah. They still have one, but they had to rejigger everything. It's hard to get. I, any I'm just saying that if like you're so concerned about efficient power efficiency. Why aren't you running a Raspberry Pi? I mean, would you? Are you all switching to Raspberry Pi? Of, of course, going folks? to the extremes. That's what yes, Gordon. Like if you care about efficiency, or the you just, other. Yeah, yeah. You either care, or you don't care. Uh, well, uh, and, don't anyway. you care about it? Why don't? Why aren't you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, well, I think one other thing, uh, something to move on to is, uh, you know, we've talked about the longevity of AM4 and how awesome that's been. Uh, AM5, uh, slide 47, Gordon, they're, they're talking about, hey, uh, you know, we've got, we've got support planned through 2025, which is three years from now, yep. uh, but it says 2025 plus, so that's a little bit good. of an out, a little bit of an out. Yeah, it makes you think that uh, they, they don't want to commit further, and clearly AMD knows that it is something its community really values, um, it is you could potentially see the you know that four to five year run that we got at AM4. Realistically, they don't you know looking that far out. Again, I think I've said this with a when we had Wendell on. I I don't think they would. I don't I don't think you would say five years and you get three years out and Intel's smoking your butt. And you're like, and the only thing that's holding you back is Intel's like, you know what? We're going to push even more power through that socket. You know, you may go okay. We're now going to have to go to AM5 plus push more power or whatever you know intel's doing it, it isn't i just think if they make trying to make a commitment like they did with am4 originally i think it would severely handcuff them um and as a, they are they want to they don't care about being more efficient they care about uh selling more cpus and also being fast and what does that is being faster i think it's fair because uh am4 
Ryzen, the first gen, came out in 2017. And this 5000 series, yes, it's had a couple more trickle out since then, but it really launched in 2020, the end of 2020. So that's 2017 to 18, 19, 20. That's three years. That's what they're saying is the same for this. It wound up practically being more than that. It very well could be the case here. But to me, that's them saying we're hoping to have the same kind of general roadmap as we had with AM4. Yeah. Yeah. I just want, I don't want to, I don't want to be sitting here and the end of 2025 and people complaining about AM5 plus and how, why it's not going to work on my motherboard about 2022. I hope they learn their lessons from AM4 and the chips that hold the firmware for all the supported CPUs. They put a little bit more capacity in there. Because remember when 5000 series came out, they're like, we don't know if we're going to be able to go backwards simply because we can't store that many CPU IDs. So hopefully they learn that lesson, beef that up a little bit. I would also say just uh, for your 2025 self who is worried about uh, people bagging on this, that AMD historically, in, well, let's ask me not historically, but in the last five years, um, they have been very good about under-promising, over-delivering. So, I mean, we can go back to just the presentation where in Computex, they said, what, 8 to 10% IPC uplift is what they were saying then. And then they came out at, uh, what, Monday, and they said, oh, no, actually, it's 13%. So I think it's actually better that they're saying 2025 is what we're committing to uh, with the understanding from the rest of us that we're guaranteed that, but also given what they've done so far, it, there is a strong possibility, very strong possibility that there could be more, definitely more for that. Yeah, definitely. And actually that's a good transition to the next thing, unless we want to talk about, is there anything else? I mean, I, we didn't really get into conjecture versus Meteor Lake or any, or versus Raptor Lake. Well, I, I don't know if you said the, the launch uh, or like, like when the parts will be available. September 27th. Uh, September 27th, yeah. So that's this month. Yeah, you know, and uh, hopefully that that is another interesting. I'm just going to take the second to be a jerk and say that's part of the reason why we don't follow rumors so much, because the morning of the launch, there were a bunch of rumor articles going around saying these will come out on September 15th and the price of the 7950X would be $800. So all those rumors that went live that morning, 12 hours before the event happened, had the price off by $100. And had the launch date is two weeks earlier than it actually is. So there's a reason we don't tackle rumors very often. This is yeah. the reason we don't tackle them unless Brad's not here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. a stick in the mud. <laughs> no, I think you're very reasonable, but you know, when cats away, mice are like... <laughs> oh, and the last thing to mention is, is they do have IGPs in all of them. All oh, four yes. parts of IGP. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to do the way this the way Gamers Mail did it. Um, the parts are actually listed on AMD's website, and they show that there are two ECUs in them. I think mm-hmm. ECUs. Yeah, that's what they said on the CUs. interview during the interview that you had post the uh, live stream. Ah. They said uh, with David two? McAfee, right? Is it? No, yeah. it was the. I think it was or, the other person. Oh, the Q and A. Okay. Yeah. So the 7950X, I'm just going to read it off because, again, I, I don't want to screw something up because there is information I'm not supposed to. I've agreed not to talk about it, and there's information that's out there. Graphics capabilities, uh, AMD graphics, AMD Radeon graphics, two co- graphics cores, graphics frequency of 2200 megahertz, and a GPU base clock of 400. So, yeah. Oh, actually, there's full specs. Yeah. 
if you see so, it. So right. I think are, that's great. Yeah, they're going to drive up to four displays, is what I remember them saying. Okay. Uh, I should and, go off what you you can say because I I'm yeah. So I'm they said that you can drive up to four displays. That's at least that's how I heard it. And um, they've got all the what is it the encoder and decoder code accelerators, yeah. and they were hinting that like we they are going to launch something equivalent to Intel's QuickSync around that. Yeah. So these these will be good for people who I mean one for those of us who like to build it's great for troubleshooting right like you have one less part that you have to worry about in order to even get to the display to to show up on the monitor or display to show. And then, you know, for the future, this is great because in my opinion, like a lot of us are going to be taking these older chips and then repurposing them for a relative's PC or a HTPC box or a home server project. And now you don't have to buy a dedicated GPU to go with that when you're trying to squeeze even more life out of it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then also the thing that that is worth noting here is that the way we look at it is from our snobby, discrete-only kind of worldview. The vast majority of the world that buys crappy desktops, because remember, these are going to start off at the high end, and you're going to see, undoubtedly, see kind of low-end, low-cost versions of these um, sold. So they will all basically, we don't know if they're going to do like a, a KF kind of part, XF kind of part, right, where they cut off the graphics yeah. cores. I imagine it's going to be on because... Um, not for the, the snobby gamer enthusiasts, but for the rest of the world that just wants a desktop and they don't need discrete graphics, this lets them sell into the markets where they just want that crappy box sitting in your dentist and doctor's office. Crappy. Well, because they are. They're just, they're I mean, just these basically. These are looking pretty good, Gordon. It's all I'm no, going to say. But what I'm saying, they're low spec boxes. You know, they're commodity crappy machines made by big OEMs that okay. dentist office and like large companies buy to put on a desk and you don't want a graphics card you just want to be able to have something to plug into that's that's been an advantage intel has had for a long 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 time yeah. so this this gets rising and we're the iteratives uh, back into that game too so i do yeah. think this is actually a great transition point to talk, start talking about motherboards and the lower end and all of that but before we do uh can you refresh me like i is this the first time we're actually seeing our dna2 cores because I feel like the last generation was it like the 5600G and 5700G, those were still Vega cores, aren't they? Yep. So, uh, RDNA think... 2 showed up in the Ryzen 6000 mobile. Yeah. So I think this also is a good sign for those of pe those people who are holding out for an APU, like because they wanted, you know, a more updated um, set of graphics on the for like the actual APU products. So this could be also a signal that they are going to transition to that finally and we'll get much more modern graphics with those APUs well, for and, SDI and, and wires. I think, and I think it's definitely, uh, you know, they, they're not sitting there being like, oh, man, you can game on this IGP. This is, no, 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 this no. is definitely a value that, add. They, yeah, they said yeah, this, definitely. Is I, this is IGP, IGPU stuff. This is not APU stuff. Yeah. I don't I'm just know. conjecturing for, like, what this could mean. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah. I don't, I don't know what I can say about that. All I know is... I'm, in other words, I'm saying is I don't know what I can say. I can say the only thing I'm seeing disclosed on AMD's website is AMD Radeon graphics. So I, I can't speculate on the cores in there. I, did you get that elsewhere, Elena? Or... Uh, they said it during the stream or okay. during the interview okay, that it was RDNA 2. Okay, because it's all kind of jumbling into one. I will also mention here the specifications for Ryzen 7950X and likely all the parts says this for there's a certain crowd that will like this. ECC support. Yes, requires motherboard support. 
So there is, it looks like, ECC support in the Ryzen's. Uh, of course, previous parts have sort of had the support too, but it was kind of like in this weird floaty zone where it wasn't clear what supported ECC, how it was supported. It was really kind of nebulous. But again, we do see on AMD's website, it says ECC support is supported, requires motherboard support, and it'll support up to 128 gigs of RAM in dual channel mode. Well, speaking of motherboards, they they announced a, a fourth segment, a, a B650 Extreme, and I'd forgotten they had announced B650 already. That means there's, so far, there's four different versions, and I, I think it's a little confusing, I'm, I'm not going uh, well, to lie. I agree. To keep track me. of. Yeah. It's interesting because they, they framed it in one of the interviews, if I recall right, as um, or maybe it was the presentation itself as a way for them to guarantee a certain level of you know not performance but like a feature set right for people looking for a motherboard but in actuality I feel like this is a little bit like keeping track of Intel's Alder Lake stack where you're just like okay this one has P cores and E cores this one has P cores this one has this you know like there's a KF part and there's like you know what I mean so it just gets really confusing and even because I'm not convinced that you're not going to still see some variance in each band you know between the different motherboard manufacturers I don't know how tightly they're going to be held to like it has to have these things so I, I just it's just really confusing yeah, no, it's confusing to me too. And I had it explained to me like five times. And in fact, the first time it was set on stage. And then later on, it was like, no, actually, it's this. And then, no, it's this. And then I heard it again the next day. So, um, you want me to try to go over what I think I know? Yeah, yes. I'm, I think it'd be good for us to establish, you know, like what you should expect from the E or extreme boards versus the standard boards. Because I feel like that's more of a distinction almost than the just the B versus X class chipsets. You know, I should have asked that again just to clarify, because I think I got <laughs> I was told it was I was incorrect the first time and then I got spun around. And and obviously, so if you want everything and absolutely guaranteed to get PCIe Gen 5 graphics as well as PCIe 5 Gen 4 Gen 5 storage X670 Extreme gives you everything it's actually a two chip design it's actually they use two because we said that because Scott Stenker disclosed that in our post <clears throat> announcement stream um, that gets you graphics that gets you storage don't have to worry about it that's going to be probably the most expensive motherboards out there. Yeah. There is the X670 non-extreme. And as I oh, <laughs> and as I understood it, if you you get that basically guarantees you're gonna get Gen 5 storage, but not necessarily GPU. I think that's graphics. What saying. Gen I, yeah. 5 graphics. That's what I have uh, Gavin Bontors who covers motherboards for Anantech. I have his pulled up right here as you're talking. And he has X670 as PCIe 4.0 is the minimum for the graphics slot, but 5.0 is optional for 670. For the X670, not the extreme. Yeah. Not the yeah. extreme. The extreme gets it all. So the yeah, wait, so the graphics is optional on the on the X670. So, wait, so so that means you then could have just a generic X not not generic, a non-extreme X670 board that has PCIe 5 on storage and graphics, 
Just yeah. That's why this is confusing. Boarding. This is why oh, this is confusing. Like <laughs> this... I said, I'm not convinced manufacturers are going to be like, oh, this is an X670 board. I'm never going to implement well, this. I, I'm with you, Elena, but can you report what you read from Gavin over at a, a, a non-tech, right? What did Gavin sure. say? Uh, so CPU, PCIe lanes to the GPU. Uh, X670E 5.0 is mandatory with a pair of by 16 slots. Uh, for the X670 non-E, it's... Uh, PCIe 4.0, but 5.0 is optional for graphics. For graphics, yes. Yeah, every every is... single motherboard here has at least one PCIe 5 M.2 slot. Yeah, so th this really is AMD saying they, you know, ec let's be honest. The whole idea of PCIe Gen 5 graphics is like super exciting. Even when you get PCIe 5, you know, GPUs, who knows when? But say you get them, it doesn't matter. It's not going to matter for almost everything you do in gaming, but what they're saying is for storage, it's going to matter more. That's why you're you're going to get storage PCIe. You're going to get Gen 5 storage on X670 Extreme, X670, B650 Extreme, and B650. Well, actually, I need you to sort that out too because there are so many. But <laughs> basically, the optional. So a motherboard, like Elena said, a motherboard maker can. They're, they're not prohibited from making an X670 with both Gen 5 storage and Gen 5 graphics. So yep. it is there is a possibility that somebody will make a Gen 5 motherboard for both. That is not yep. an extreme. But yep. I, I think the, the reason why that might not happen is because that same motherboard vendor will also make an, a, an X670 extreme that has Gen 5 graphics and Gen 5 storage. Do you really want a lower price board? Do you want those people, the people who are like, oh, do you want to buy the $600 motherboard that has these features? Or do you want to buy my $300 motherboard that has those features? I, mean, I don't think. Depends how much you want the money, right? I mean, I think there's, I think there's going to, I think on the face of it, I think you're right. I think that sounds logical. But at the same time, I mean, this is just me as somebody who doesn't really know what goes into the motherboard manufacturing process. Like. I don't know, maybe they could end up with something where they're like, oh, well, this batch can't quite support this, you know, exactly all these things. Or maybe maybe this is not good enough for overclocking, you know, to an extreme level, but it can run all these lanes. So why don't we rebatch re this or whatever you call it to hit this like $300 price point so that people who want, you know, X670, but a little bit more feel like they're getting a great deal. And then we don't have these boards on our hand that we can't do something with. Again, this is just conjecture because I don't know what goes into the exact process of making motherboards. Also, real quick, friend of the show, uh, Boria Zero says, uh, to put it simply, they clarified, they clarified the floor on each platform, but not the ceiling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's kind of like cars, I feel like. You know how, like, so we've got basically, like, the Toyota Corolla versus Toyota Camry. I mean, whatever you want to use for this, right? And then with each of those, you have like different trim levels or whatever it's called. So now you have like the Corolla, like CE versus LE model. And but you can sometimes get the CE with like, I don't know, leather seats because that just happened to be something that some of the factories like, sure, why not? We'll just throw that in there, even though the car is super cheap. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. The, the difficulty with doing um, Gen 5, signaling for uh, graphics and storage is it, it's just very difficult from you know everything i've heard from everybody i mean wendell even talked about this last time it's like it is really difficult to do this even gen 4 was a serious pain in the butt gen 5 is going to be very difficult it's that means it's probably going to be a, a board with more layers you know uh 
it's just overall going to be harder to do. So you're probably not going to see it because, and then also there's this whole two chip thing that you, you got to do the, the cost adder to do it makes, I think is going to probably prevent that initially, but I guess I could see like two years from now when people have figured out, or maybe there's new technology, new redrivers, new retimers, you could see it trickle down into a lower end, like maybe, okay, now we figured out how to do it in fewer layers or without doing, you know, so they figured out a trick to make it work adequately at the lower levels. But I think initially it'll be what you see right here. But I think mm -hmm. over the entire run of, um, of Ryzen 7000, I, I think it, it could get, you know, a little messier, but that's going to be later on. Yeah. I think first on it'll be the high end with all the, the, the bells and whistles. Well, I, I was just going to say, the, of, you know, go ahead. You go I was, ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say the like, and then talking about the B650 part of it, I feel like mm -hmm. it's it's obvious non-extreme B650, right, uh, is like, okay, the, the one that's going to have the, the lowest floor <laughs> to, to yep. use Boris here, right? But the B650 extreme, that seems like it's going to overlap with X670 non-extreme to a certain degree. Like, uh, you know, like I, I'm just, I, I'm w wondering if that, that cross-section of B650 extreme and X650 non-extreme is going to be where it's going to be kind of the most confusing I think it's going to be very difficult to shop for motherboards. You're going to have to pay mm -hmm. a bunch of attention. Because uh, what I was going to say is, speaking of messy, I want to go back to Gavin's chart real quick. Uh, he breaks down B650 and B650E in there as well. So for B650, it's PCIe 4.0. That's the point of it. It's affordable with 5.0 optional. So, uh, But it still has the one PCIe 5 SSD slot. B650 Extreme is PCIe 5.0. But unlike 670 Extreme, where 5.0 is mandatory, it's just highly suggested for B650E. Wait. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> on the storage side or graphics side? On the graphics side. On the additional CPU PCIe lanes. It has to have at least one PCIe 5 M2 slot. All of these do. But for the rest of the CPU PCIe lanes, uh, for B650E, it's PCIe 5.0 highly suggested versus... 650 non-E is PCI 4.0 with 5.0 optional. Graphics. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> yeah. I think we have to say graphics every time because otherwise... Well, it's that's... not necessarily graphics because you could use that to split into more M2 lanes and stuff like that too, can't you? Well, I, I think they're, they're, that's really the worst. So the, the difference is like between X670E and X670 is you get Gen 5 storage for both of those. One of those guarantees gen 5 graphics the other one is gen 5 graphics optional right so they're it's really yeah, yeah. i think that's how you're going to designate it because oh can i say that i'm just trying to think of oh this is one. this is i think the fact that we have to go through this with the fine-tooth comb and we're all like i think this is how it works yeah. i think they need to work on their messaging and strategy here a little Didn't, bit more uh, actually i think in our interview with scott stankard from uh amd actually go check out our video the the um we covered it we had game uh, gamer nexus steve uh tech when uh Level one tech, Wendell, and of course, uh, our friend, uh, Dr. Ian Cutras from Tech Tech Potato. But I thought in the interview, he said, because I am I got to be really careful what I can say, what I can't say. But I thought in the interview, didn't he talk about the chips, the chipsets that are using these boards? You know, nobody remembers. So I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to mention it again, because maybe I'm misremembering a different conversation from the night. But I, I feel I, like it was David McAfee. Uh, who oh. was talking about the 
board distinctions. Ah, right, right. I think it was him. That's why we all blanked for a second because I don't because we were, I was specifically running through the tape in my head. I was like, I don't remember it being other person, but I think it was uh, it was him. And I think I don't recall there being that much clarification the way that we're even getting just looking at the anon tech article. Well, so let me read off AMD's website. Three levels. Well, you know what's really interesting about this. <laughs> The AMD website for AM5 socket and a new platform, there's three levels of motherboards, a board for every customer. X670 Extreme brings the most connectivity with uh, Gen 5 graphics with uh, PCIe 5 support for two graphics slots, one storage slot. So two Gen 5 graphics, one Gen 5 storage. For X670 supports enthusiast overclocking with PCIe 5.0 support for one storage slot with optional graphics support. And last but not least, they literally say that the B650 motherboard option is designed primarily for performance users delivering excellent PCIe 5.0 storage support. This might have been older because they, they don't even mention B650 yeah. Extreme. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. So it's, it's funny that the website is, is out of, it's out of, well, but it's, no, it's on AMD's website right now. So no, I know. I, I wish. Think that's probably from Computex. So but if, if this chart that Gavin's going off of and what you're saying is right, I just really wish that the 650E's PCIe 5 was mandatory because making that optional or highly suggested. Pardon me? The E. I wish the E made one graphic slot mandatory PCIe 5, like to make it so there's a definitive difference if you buy B650E. Right now, it's highly suggested. Yeah. So the way the way I think I could explain it, that sort of okay. Let's. I think I figured it out because this is the way that <laughs> this is the way it was explained to me. It's like okay, I got it. So all chipsets announced, all four give you Gen 5 storage. Yes. Only one guarantees you Gen 5 graphics, yes. and it is optional on X. 670 it is optional on b650 extreme yes. right so that's what makes it extreme is you well, I get thought it's op optional on the normal b650 as well b650 no. will not give you gen 5 graphics well it's it optional. optional yeah but... it said optional no it no right. it does uh, well i mean according to the non-tech article it does say optional i so. yeah so the thing is i see the thing is this is why it was explained to me two different ways by mm -hmm. amd people different amd people but as I understand it, you cannot get Gen 5 graphics on B650. Okay. And, and also, one thing that, why would you? Like, you know. One thing that you will get, because I've seen some confusion about this on all of these, is overclocking support. Uh, Rob Halleck, after Computex, was on here and explicitly confirmed that, like, we didn't put overclocking support on the slides, but all of these do definitely have overclocking support. And there were some misconceptions around that, even around this Ryzen 7000 launch. So just yeah. to be clear, yes, you'll still be able to overclock all these, both memory and CPU. I'm, I'm really hoping that this kind of just, like, this is just initially confusing just because they can't talk details yet. And that when we actually get to launch, or even six months from now, it kind of shakes out and it's a little less confusing. Because yeah. I think... And this is a little bit of a segue into what I want to talk about. I think for most people who are going to pick up Ryzen 7000 out the gate, they're going to be higher end enthusiast type people to begin with. So they're not going to be sweating like the minutia so much. They're probably going to just say like, hey, if I'm getting a flagship or 7900X part, I'm probably just going to get an X670E board. I'm going to invest like 
this is conjecture, but I'm going to invest $400 into a motherboard and not really think about it, right? I think by the time we get to uh, people who are going to be adopting like even the 7600X widely or anything that comes in the future for lower in the stack, it's going to be clearer, which... And at that point, I'm still not sure like if it's really going to make much of a difference. Because here's my thing about these chips. I think they look fantastic on paper, right? Like I'm really looking forward to what the reviews end up saying and the benchmarks and all that. But with DDR5 memory being a standard across the platform, I just don't think there's going to be a lot of people below that like $300 CPU price point who are even 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 at that level like i don't know if they're going to be adopting this early cuz like ddr5 memory is still really expensive and it's still new and so the longer you wait the cheaper it's going to get and so i feel like some of the stuff they're saying in all of this is because like as gordon was saying just a little bit ago like they're forecasting into the future like you know when things get cheaper then some of these things may appear at these levels, but for the outset, I, I think it's going to be a little more rigid. I don't know, but I think it's a really interesting conversation to have about like all this stuff looks really interesting, but what does this mean for like mid, at true mid and like budget people? Like how long are they going to be waiting before they get to a taste of this awesomeness, right? Yeah. Even I, the, just uh, just since we haven't mentioned it yet, just to follow up on that point, the X670, the higher end ones are going to be available at launch. Uh, both the 650 motherboards aren't coming out till October, yeah. so just yeah. get that in there. You know, not you know, I have to you have to take the pulse of DDR5 like every week, every day almost, and just going to Newegg uh, and then looking for DDR5 sorting by lowest price. I'm seeing a Patriot, so you know, name brand, eight gig uh, DDR5 4800, not exactly high clocks. Okay, I see you, dog. Thirty eight dollars. So basically, you. I, I, I know like the, the perception of DDR5 is this, oh my God, it's expensive. And yes, it is. If you're going for those, you know, really, really tightly screened modules at high clocks, low latency. But for most regular folks, uh, you can do 16 gigs of DDR5 for, you know, basically what, 80 bucks now? Not too bad. AMD did come out and confirm that uh, DDR5 6000 is the sweet spot for Ryzen 7000. So. Just thrown that in it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, overall, I think uh, we can move on to the next section, but, you know, there'll, there'll probably be more <laughs> when it comes. We got a, a, a funny uh, uh, message from uh, Toby Treat says, I'm buying the motherboard that Gordon tests with. There you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't know what that'll be, but uh, hopefully there'll be more clarification later. I, Honestly, though, I'm just hoping extreme doesn't become more of like a moniker kind of thing. Like, a, oh, hey, we're going to, you know, uh, use it as a marketing tactic. Uh, we put the word extreme on there. That it must mean it's better. Also, to wrap this up, we've talked about this before. I, I can't remember in what context exactly. Uh, but do you think do you think they've come out and been like, hey, there's a good reason to future proof your motherboard? If you're going to get Ryzen 7000, you might as well spend a little bit more money and future-proof your motherboard by going with I have thoughts. Extreme. I have thoughts. <laughs> My thoughts are everything needs DDR5, so you're future-proof there. Everything need, or everything supports at least one PCIe 5 SSD, so you're future-proof there, even with the bottom-end ones. 
to me, I would not. It'll depend on the actual street prices and what's available when the motherboards are available. Available, but I would not necessarily spend up just to get PCIe five graphics because graphics cards are nowhere near saturating PCIe four right now. Like PCIe three still is just fine for the majority of things. It's different if you get to the very high end. If it's a bit of a price premium and there's other extra features, it might be worth it. But if you're looking to save your money, I think PCIe 5 graphics is definitely less, you know, you need it. Yeah. I think because they said this is a, what? They said 2025? Yeah, three years, four years cycle. I think by 2025, I don't think we'll be saturating PCIe 4. So graphics cards. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Brad. Although, you know, you're always wary that, you know, you step up to that next generation in, in PCIe and maybe something comes along and saturates it. I mean, we do have, if you're talking about Gen 5 SSDs, you're moving a lot of data uh, than you ever could before off a single drive. And then you've got direct storage. It will, I, I'm going to want to wait and see. I'm, I can't really say whether I can recommend paying out extra for it. I mean, but I'm I'm also I'm with Elena. I think most people, if you're going to go out and get a 7950X on launch day, you're not going to go buy a B650 board. You know, I agree not, with that. I mean, well, you can't yeah. you can't physically buy it anyway. But I just think that you don't buy high end and then cheap out on certain components. So they don't they don't tend to do that. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, overall, yeah, I think they're very. It is probably the right choice though, because Gen 5 storage is what is going to make the most practical difference for most people copying large files i'm excited so. for it <laughs> gen 4 i'm definitely you know very <laughs> happy to make that jump so yeah <laughs> but you know for over i guess it sounds like like an x670 board would be like you know you get your gen 5 storage and you may not care that much about the gen 5 graphics but that'll be the board with the b3 or vrms and built to yep. you know to to overclock better Cool. All right. Speaking of overclocking, uh, USB four has leveled up. It's a uh, 2.0 just got revealed. Hungary. Yes. Literally this morning, I'm just going to do it. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but basically in this, I have spent months and months and months trying to understand USB four. I actually figured it out. I thought I like, Oh my God, I understand it all today. The USB promoter group has announced USB four version two. So, yeah, so there's basically they're saying they intend to they're going to they've announced it. They haven't shown off the spec yet. The spec will be shown off in November. They're actually going to have some big USB party. They're going to do that there with all the all of the USB nerds all get together and they have their party over it. But uh, version two, USB four version two brings essentially up to 80 gigabits operation. That's essentially doubling USB four. Now you have to call it 1.0 because even though it was 1.0. There was no two soon after. So now USB 4.1.0 is 40 gigs. This is 80 gigs. It's based on a new physical layer architecture using existing. This is the good news here, folks, using existing USB uh, 4 cables. So if you have a USB 4, a 40 gig cable, that will that's going to also support USB uh, 4.2.0. Uh, also updated. And of course, these are type C only. Uh, you will also, the updates, this is very interesting to me. They are updating it to support, uh, obviously, with this enhanced bandwidth. USB data architecture updates now enable USB 3.2 data tunneling to exceed 20 gigabits, 
which is really weird to me because like USB 3.2 is like, for the most part was 10 gigs. You got a few that were, that were two by two or two lane that was 20 gigs, but they were really rare. This actually exceeds the maximum USB 3.2 um, throughput. So like, why would you need that? I'm guessing if you have a monitor or a dock and you need multiple USB 3.2 devices at 20 gigs, you can do that now over USB 4.2. Uh, and then also, this is tantalizing very much, updated to align with the latest versions of DisplayPort and PCIe specifications. So, you know, to me, does that, does that mean PCIe 5? Are they really supporting PCIe 5 in USB 4 version 2? Because that is the latest version of PCIe. Or is it PCIe 4? But I think ultimately what this means is with fast. It's fast, and for people who run um, external graphics cabinets, this will be very nice because it's been really, really tough to live with uh, Thunderbolt 3, which is essentially four lanes of PCIe 3. It's it's not much, right? So yeah. now if you could potentially get up to 80 gigs um, or at least closer to that, mm. and you know, even that 40 gigs, you didn't really get 40 gigs because some of that was reserved for the other lanes and Thunderbolt. This could potentially make an external graphics dock a lot more palatable because it was getting pretty painful, I think. Those external graphics were cool, but like it felt like you really didn't need to buy a GPU fatter than a 1070, you know, for those docks. Nope. So, yeah, they choke it off. Yeah. It was uh it's been a bummer trying them out, but I I'm I'm excited. So so this means USB four point version two or USB four two point <laughs> uh is gonna it is Thunderbolt four then. What? No, no. Thunderbolt 4. So here's the thing. Thunderbolt wait, wait, wait. 4 is USB 4. I can USB plug my 4. Thunderbolt 4 in USB 4, and it just works, right? You could currently... <laughs> USB. Yeah, so the thing is, Thunderbolt 4, which... I'm going to do this. They, Intel said, hey, Thunderbolt 3, we're giving that up royalty-free. Everybody can use it. They use that to base USB 4 on. It's basically moving everything to a tunnel. All of the protocols are tunneled. It's basically packaged up and sent as packets through it. Um over USB 4. It's actually different than Thunderbolt 3 because in Thunderbolt 3, a lot of things are, were uh, tunneled and some things were not tunneled. They were actually set aside as alternate mode. Those wires were basically like hardwired to something, so it wasn't really. So USB 4 is actually sort of beyond Thunderbolt 3 in some ways, even though it can be backwards compatible with it. And the basically, the if you want everything, so you always see Thunderbolt 4 is USB 4 uh, and it is because the full implementation of USB 4 gets you everything that Thunderbolt 4 gives you. And Thunderbolt 4 is basically USB 4 because it does give you USB 4. But USB 4 also does allow lower end specs where you don't get tunneling where it could be USB 4 20 gig. So USB 4 can be not as good as Thunderbolt. USB 4 the, cannot be as good. The thing that's interesting to me is... Uh, USB 4 2.0 is backwards compatible with USB 4 version 1.0, obviously. Yep. USB 3.2 and USB 2.0. Uh, it's backwards compatible with Thunderbolt 3, but they don't call out Thunderbolt 4. Yeah, and that's because, and then and this is like, oh my God. Sometimes, like, you just kind of like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's because in the eyes of the USB IF, USB 4 is Thunderbolt 4. Okay. Right, so that's why we don't need to say it's compatible because it's already the same thing. To a consumer that is confused to hell by this, it is like, well, my Thunderbolt, it is the same thing. So you Thunderbolt 4, 
Now, when Adam mentioned it earlier, yes, so um, in, in a full USB 4 implementation, you're, th- you're on a Windows PC, <laughs> plugging in your Thunderbolt 3 peripheral will be compatible. It's not certified necessarily, but it will be compatible. Thunderbolt, but this, oh my God, this is why <laughs> USB 4 2.0, USB 4 2.0 looks is above that. So now you're getting 80 gigs. It will most likely line up with what Thunderbolt 5 is going to be. Uh, and again, if you look at, the, if you go to a non-tech, Dr. Ian Cutress, when he was there, Tech Tech Potato now, wrote about um, Gregory Bryant going to Israel and, and looking at this cool demo. And they showed a picture of this looking over the shoulders of somebody. And of course, they zoomed in and they were talking about Thunderbolt 5 being 80 gigs uh, and also being compatible with, you know, USB-C, you know, basically USB as well. Essentially, it was an oopsie saying uh, Thunderbolt 5 would be there. It actually uses a new kind of signaling. I think it's called PAM3, where you basically mm-hmm. you have plus one, minus one, and zero. So instead of just doing zero and one, they're able to basically get more through the same by using this new signaling. It kind of sounds like that's – so I'm going to guess. I have no idea, but I'm going to guess that USB 4 2.0 is going to match up with Thunderbolt 5. Whenever okay. Intel announces it, if they <laughs> announce it, I don't know. They haven't right, announced like... it. They showed it off and then they made it uh, go away. My <laughs> guess is they're going to announce it. And um, the USB promoter group, which of course also confused me because it's like, isn't this USB IF? So the USB IF, I guess, is the group that sort of manages. They're the people that you everybody goes to to get their proper label to put on the package. The USB promoter group, however, is Apple, HP. Intel, Microsoft, Renosis, which used to be NEC, ST Micro, Texas Instrument. So these are basically probably the people that are going to make a bulk of the original parts to run this stuff, all getting happy to show this stuff off of USB 4 version 2, and then the USB IOF. And remember, I know we're sort of joking because it's USB no space 4 space version 2. That's the specification. That will go on the that will go on the PDF. What you actually see as a consumer, that's not determined yet. It could very well be USB 4 super speed. Um, We we don't know. At this point, I don't know what's worse anymore. When people say, oh, it's the new iPhone. No, the new iPhone. (laughs) Oh, I just bought the new iPhone. Which new iPhone? Yeah, versus the USB, versus something like USB 4 version 2, or when they get into the weeds of like, you know, the Gen 2 speed you know, this gigabyte or gigabit transfer rate and all that. And I'm just like, I don't even, you know, on the heels of that last conversation we just had, my brain's like, I'm done. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was, well, which, which was easier to explain though? USB 4.2 or AMD's new chipsets? You know, with no. a conch. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Sandip says, uh, this is the extreme confusion episode. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, I, again, I used to be the kind of person that would just bag all day on USB names, but I have, I sat down, I understood, tried to understand it. I talked to a lot of people that are trying to make it work and I've changed my opinion on USB and well, USB four and forward because you can just be there and just be that you can just piss and moan all day about it on Twitter or on your, your whatever media website. My feeling is you were paid to understand complicated topics so we can explain it. So people understand it. And that's why it's, it's worth the pain and just stop, just stop the whining 
it is still an incredible achievement to have one stupid cable, one connector that plugs into everything. And then it works as well as it does. It is not perfect. It does really work amazingly well. If you live the, if you actually, if you use, if you live the USB 4 slash Thunderbolt 4 lifestyle, you don't even think about it. You put, you're annoyed when things aren't USB C, US, uh, USB 4 and Thunderbolt because everything just works. You no, plug it in. Nobody, nobody's complaining about the utility aspect. We're just complaining about keeping the specs straight based on the naming. No, I know, also, but it's. Uh, Uncle Elias says, uh, uh, Gordon's brand is stop whining. <laughs> well, because it really comes down to, well, one way for it to be easy to understand is you never change it. Let's just make ETX and never change it, right? Let's just stick with a 25-year-old spec and or anything old and never oh, change it. That is found, very easy to understand. to bring an ETX. No, but every, but uh, yeah, of course. The problem I, is when no, making things new and better, it's no, going to no, no, get no, no, messy. No, I, I think the real problem is you have USB 4 and then you have Thunderbolt 4. You've got those two different those two different paths. If 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 it's just hey, if I look at a USB C plug and it's like oh this or I'm sorry a a Type C interface yeah. and I'm like oh sweet that's just USB. But I gotta be like wait, does this support Thunderbolt? Which which USB is it? You know like that's Bring when back I the think color coding and actually <laughs> make it a strict standard. Yeah, that's I mean that's but again so like I understand because remember when. USB super speed came along, USB three. Remember they went to that kind of bright blue. Mm-hmm. Oh, and like the sockets and the cables would be this blue color. Um is that like a rule? That's uh, what I said. Make well, it but, make it stick. Well, but look, you uh, know, Apple I will say it anyway. <laughs> that was I mean, to me the example was like the first because a lot of the, the PC laptops that supported the faster USB uh, three, they went to the blue. Right? It's kind of an eyesore, but it was blue. You knew what it was. Apple, like, no, we're not doing that. We're using black. I don't know if it's because, like, we got a billion of these connectors and we can save three cents on it. Or it's like, you know what? Johnny Ive says he does not like this Pantone blue. That is the <laughs> ugliest blue ever. Johnny Johnny Ive says take your blue color and just jam it. We're going with black mm-hmm. ports because the rule doesn't say it. And then HP and Dell and everybody's like, you know what? If they're not going to do it, we're not going to do it too because, look, that blue does make our laptop look a little ugly, even though it's easy to to understand, right? So I once you had one person break that rule, everybody broke it. And and do you want the USB-R really to be around, go around policing the world like this is the wrong port, we're going to DMCA you? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just not – and then like, yeah, we're going to find this – this hole in the wall company in Shenzhen that is making this thing and we're going to sue them. It's just not, you can't manage it. It's just, it's hurting cats. And that's why I'm really cool with it because the fact that it is in the shape it is now today, it should not exist. It's the Panda of, of technology. It should not exist, (laughs) but it does. And it is amazing. Yeah. I think we're getting kind of lost in the weeds here, but (laughs) at the end of the day, 80 gigabytes per second backwards compatibility. This is nothing but a good thing. It is. It's awesome. Because everybody's been saying, where's Thunderbolt 5? It's clear to me. I think Thunderbolt 5 is coming. I think it is a great thing. I just, I also think still, though, that Adam has a really valid point that it is just so difficult to know what kind of port you're actually getting unless you're 100% sure this thing was released like the day 
that the spec went into, a, you know, was incorporated into actual working machines, right? And I'll tell you even even worse, <laughs> then e- even even if you're plugging into a port and you're like, okay, it's it's bright blue, so it must be USB 3.2, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even remember, 3.1. Three. Uh, is it going to a hub or is it a, one straight on the controller? You know what I mean? Like, like I hate, that's when I'm just sitting there like, oh man, I want to make sure, you know, I'm, I'm not like sharing some of the, yeah, it, it's, it's just, sometimes you need to dig too, a little too deep into it to make sure you, it's using, using it. Right? It's, it's <laughs> unfortunate. I know that on, at least on Chromebooks so far that have Thunderbolt uh, ports on them, if you plug a cable in, it tells you what the cable can do. That's pretty cool. I wish that would come over to oh. you know Windows, Dang. so you can be able to tell in the cables. Yes. I do wish there was something exposed in the UI that tells you when you plug something in, it tells you what that port can do. Then I I know what you mean by like I wish like you kind of wish like okay let's turn the switch every single Type C now is USB four eighty gig you know whatever the hell USB four eighty is probably would make sense to call it but you have like you have products that are designed. A good example is AMD Ryzen 6000. USB 4 was baked into the silicon. The laptops, though, you you want to put that on the box. But I'm going to tell you why it's not on the box. Is the lawyer says, look, if if this doesn't work and you can't promise that there's USB 4 with basically Thunderbolt or USB 4 spec, if you cannot reach that because something doesn't work, we're going to get sued and you're going to have to eat the cost of those laptops. So they just simply say USB three or they say USB-C and then they hopefully like in the case where we did it we actually enabled USB-4 using a a beta BIOS that BIOS still has not been released it should have been out in July it's September now and it's not out yet because again I think they released it have they finally released it I don't know yeah they released it like two or three days after your story it released some models yeah because I like we we still have people in the comments of that video being like hey when is this coming out Right. So Uh-oh. I I'm yeah. going to check. I don't think it has been released because again, you know, you it's cool to make it dem- like a tech demo for me to show that it can work, then to actually get it past all the tests and then they get it past the lawyer to sign off on it. You know, that's very different, so that's the hold up. But again, so now that is a USB 4 port that is basically labeled USB 3 because it's a mid product cycle thing and it sucks and it is I mean, it's just it's the messiness of the world. You know, even Apple itself, right? They basically made the original MacBook with M1. It, they couldn't call it Thunderbolt 4 because Thunderbolt 4 spec called for supporting multiple high high DPI panels. And their ASIC, whatever they used, could not support it. So they could not call it Thunderbolt 4, but somehow they could call it USB 4. So it gets it gets really messy. It gets really and I messy. tell you what, I am so sick of talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm confused. Real, real quick. Hey. Well, one one good question from Dr. Ian Cutris: Does the USB four two define any uh, power delivery PD specifications as well? They haven't released that yet. They yeah they haven't said, but they are say they are going to be updating stuff to be in line with it. I mean they've already done two forty watt, so I, I imagine it's just basically rolling the two forty watt USB PD three point one into the USB four two point spec. I'm guessing. Oh, oh my god. god. Okay. Well, you know what? It is easy. Look, X six seventy extreme <laughs> graphics stores <laughs> Gen five. Oh no, we're done. We're done. The lowest B six fifty, no graphics, Gen uh, five. The two in the middle, optional 
graphics. That's a question, kids. You yeah. got two in the ends, and the ones in the middle give you optional. <laughs> Extreme gives you better overclocking. I now understand it. Okay. Okay. Good. Uh, so question question time. We got a little bit of time left. I do have some some awesome Q and A. Uh, I'm sorry. I I had a lot of questions held from earlier in the show uh, in my in my notepad, and then when my system died, I lost it. So if if you want to repost some of those questions, please do it now. If you're listening to this later, there's a link to Discord in the chat. We have a full nerd question section. I'm going to go over there. There's actually a couple fun food-related ones, of course, uh, over there. <laughs> so uh, first question came in earlier from uh, Soon Fredrickson. Asked, uh, why did they skip Ryzen 6000? Well, they went Ryzen 5000 to Ryzen 7000. Uh, there's precedent for that. They did the same thing. That Ryzen 6000 was mobile. It was basically Zen 3+. Plus. So those were the power-efficient Zen 3 in laptop. Uh, they did that also with Ryzen 4000. Remember, there was no real... Ryzen 4000 desktop, right? There was Ryzen 3000, you had Ryzen 4000 mobile, and then Ryzen 5000 did it all again. So you see that sort of TikTok kind of thing. And and I actually kind of like it. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind. Well, not to make things even more confusing in a day full of other confusing topics, <sighs> but there is a technically, there yes. are technically Ryzen 4000 desktop parts now. Yeah. There's they a release, few APUs. Like that they released. No, the 4100. That's not. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, see, the, the parts no one can get their hands on. I have a, I have an ongoing B&H notification where they're very diligent. They're like, it's been two weeks. I still have no update for you, but that's your update. <laughs> that's why I said it the way I did, Elena, because I knew somebody like you would point out, no, there were some parts that are rising 4,000 desktop. I'm they're, just saying. Yeah, they, they're really not, not really. Also, guess what? They can name whatever the these parts, whatever the hell they want. So you know, at the end of the day, it's just a name. Just confusing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It just makes our hard, uh, our time harder. Uh, well, I do have some super chats. VC Jester had a a good one, a good car analogy. I'm sorry, I lost it. Please give it to me again. Uh, but he <laughs> he did give a, a five dollar super chat uh, earlier. It said. Uh, what type of PCIe slash USB do I need so my PS5 friend can lord? So my PS5 friend can't lord his loading times over me anymore. <laughs> Just give him all the specs. Give him all the specs. Direct storage. That's that's the answer, right? Yeah, that's uh, gonna be the one. But who knows? Uh, we have a game. Game consoles are. I know that was a joke question, but game consoles are very purpose built for gaming and to optimize loading switch between games and that's nothing you're ever going to get with a general purpose computer so i don't know if that'll ever happen but yeah, fast pcie speeds and direct storage should make a big difference soon. just, just to I be serious for a joke question i would say um tell tell your friend lording it over you like okay let's let's uh, alt tab to chrome or alt tab out to uh, office or photoshop <laughs> see which one's faster doing that yeah <laughs> nice uh, we got a, a 10 Canadian dollar super chat from uh, Coffee. Kofi, thank you so much. Said, thinking about upgrading, and I would like to keep my NHU12S uh, air cooler. I have a 10700K and was thinking about getting a 7900X. I think they have similar peak power. Worthy upgrade, or should my cooler, and would my cooler be enough? So, two questions. Do you think it's. A, uh, the jump from a 10700K to a 7900X is a worthy upgrade. And do you think that cool that um, Noctua NHU12S is going to be enough? I one uh, I will preface this with wait for benchmarks. Like we've only seen AMD numbers at this point. 
Uh, but going off those numbers, I would think that'd be a pretty good upgrade, depending on what you're doing. If it's if you're talking about just gaming, I would again stress wait for benchmarks. Uh, but I, the cooler should work fine, and those come with AM4 brackets. And they've said that right, AMD has said that uh, AM4 coolers be compatible with AM5 motherboards. So your cooler should be just fine, and that cooler kicks butt. So I think that would sustain well, it just fine. They're going from Intel to AMD. Yeah, but you can still order brackets. It usually comes yeah. the box comes with the different brackets in right. it for whatever system you have. Yeah, I would only. I I think we need to wait to see how they perform because I'm looking it up right now. And so, ten seven hundred K is rated at ninety five watt TDP. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as we were saying, like like nanometer type uh, or processes, it's all kind of like what is TDP, right? Mm-hmm. So it's they're not apples apples to apples comparisons. But if we were to sort of assume they're kind of in the ballpark of each other, it's ninety five watt versus what. Uh, 105? It's 105 versus 125. But you have to remember TDP numbers between companies are... Well, 7900X, that's a 170 watt. Oh, 79. I thought he said 7900X. Yeah, so I I don't know. I think, think honestly, from from my opinion on the cooler part, Noctua makes good stuff, but I I would just see how, you know, that starts bearing out once the reviews come out. Also depends on what you do, right? If if, if you're hammering it all the time, if if you have a 3090 Ti dumping in there, if you have a low airflow case, a a bigger box versus a smaller box, how much fans you, how many fans you have, all that. And and also, I would like to say, by the way, that you, sir or ma'am, are the kind of person the PC industry loves. Please upgrade your two-year-old CPU to this uh, because they love it. And I, I know Brad says he's going to be just sticking the mud and say, wait for num- wait for independent benchmarks. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, if you're going to step up from an eight-core, 5.1 gigahertz, 10th gen, 9th gen, 8th gen part, I mean, that's basically what the thing is, right, yep. to a 7900X with 12 cores, 24 threads. It's going to whomp. It's going to crush. It's going to crush that 107k. So if you are doing heavy, heavily threaded workloads, you you know, or I I mean, also based on the clocks of the 7900x. In fact, it will hold higher clocks than a 10700k, even across more cores. I would say that upgrade would actually be likely worth it. Um, if you if you are pushing the CPU in that manner, if you're basically playing games with the 3080 at at 4k. I I probably wouldn't do it, but if you're doing things that can really use that CPU, I, I would say it's it's definitely worth it. It depends on what you do, but 7900X is going to simply crush a 10700K all day. Cool. Uh, oh, and uh, VC Jester reminded me uh, it was it was earlier talking about efficiency. He made the the comment that he's with Gordon that the Co- the CUDA 440 six packed six pack sucked gas like a Hoover and nobody cared. Yeah, car, car yeah. analogy. Just well, I mean, if we're going with the car analogies, we're basically talking about like Gordon's favorite uh, style of car, like little sporty coupes versus <laughs> big muscle cars, right? So he, he loves I, coupes. No, I mean, I just think I think he he makes a really good point in that is perform. I mean, if you're a performance person, well, you could be a performance person that still likes you know a slightly more efficient or quieter ride than somebody who's like you know what i want american muscle car like i don't give it to me loud give it to me like power hungry or sorry fuel hungry i don't care like that's the thrill of it for me well i mean i mean even i mean even like if you say like it's weird because if you're looking at like say like let's look at in- internal combustion engine versus a tesla 
and Tesla's probably going to eat that CUDA alive. At the same time, if your Tesla didn't accelerate the way it does, if they really lean that power out to be slow as hell on the acceleration, you would get far better gas or far better mileage per per watt, right? But they don't. They like if you're if you're looking at Nissan Leaf versus a Tesla. Yeah, but we're not making we're not making that comp- comparison. I'm talking about like say uh, a Miata Coupe or something, right? Like they're, I don't. I, I mean, you're 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 moving it down into a different actual style of car when you make that comparison. Well, I, I guess when we're talking about it, or are we talking about the fact that people who own coupes in their, like, <laughs> oh, no, say no, you're 30 Sorry, or 40 Adam, years old? I didn't really mean to start that again. No, we, I just, have, I we have a whole video we made with Steve about you ragging on coupes and small form factors. So are we talking about for the video. form factors, <laughs> form factor choices, or are we talking about efficiency, power efficiency? I thought we were talking about efficiency. For power, I think, yeah, no, I mean, you can care about it. I can definitely see, like, wow, I'm... You know, if I'm really going to save half the power, I'm not I just... A, but not pure only that you're, as your only focus. I'm just saying that you can like your performance with a side of efficiency, or you can be like, I don't care that I am shortening the Earth's life by another decade just by running this one car. I just want that raw power. I like, think it's, I, I have love. I have a custom 3080 Ti in my system, and I actually use the Quiet BIOS that came with it because it slowed stuff down by 2%. But it made it infinitely more pleasurable to use, and I, right. know, different jokes for different folks. And, and it, but I guess what I'm saying though is, people are overly they overly hammer the efficiency parts because I'm I don't really think when you crank up a 4080 Ti that you are going to be like oh I'm just like the CPU is not going to be I wish the CPU would be eating all that power but it is just simply not it is not doing it unfortunately so I that's why I think it's a little overly emphasized and sometimes people do that just simply to push their agenda whereas realistically if you're talking about a gaming situation the gpu is the guilty party here it's not the not going to be the cpu Gordon keeps shifting the pose yeah yeah no i'm just saying <laughs> quick no quick next question quick Look, next question uh, it Boria it zero, friend of the show Boria <laughs> zero uh we're in the middle of a huge inflation and zen 4 cpus msrp are the same or cheaper versus zen 3 Except for the 5700X, whatever. Uh, when Zen 3 launched, no inflation, but significant price hike. Although 7600X launch price is the same versus the 5600X. Isn't it nice that we're back to getting def- a fair value from AMD? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, I, that's uh, part of the reason I was perform. so surprised by it. That's part of the reason I was so surprised by it. Oh, I, I was that. sure. Well, ooh, ooh, ooh. Hey, do you remember last time we, we bet? Are they going to show prices at this event? Are they going to show prices at this event? I, I, I turned to I, yeah, I, I turned to Gordon because he was like, "There's no way," and I turned to Gordon at the price reveal, and I was like, "See, told you." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, yeah. Well, and I was sure I was sure the prices are going up because I mean everybody's prices are going up, so it's crazy. Yeah, I and I and the thing is, you also have to consider the fact that 7600x should easily eat a 5600x's lunch all day, mm. and there have been significant price increases paying just to get the components to make that part like oh you're gonna go like pat on the back amd for actually giving you reasonable prices but the price let me point this out again core i5 12600k 278 dollars all day and you're looking at 10 cores versus a six core the 5600x got destroyed by the 
the Core i5 12600K. So I also have to think you have to you have to think think the altar of competition here. If mm -hmm. AMD had come out with the 7600X for more money, like going up against already you know 12600K, which you know they had been getting destroyed by, I I don't know if it would have been a good look. So I guess we'll have to see what happens when Intel does 13th gen, because are they going to launch theirs at say 330? They did. They've, they've, prices they've, are going up. Yeah, they have, but we'll see. Because you know, I mean, they've been under, you know, the financials have been under pricing pressure too. But maybe they, maybe Pat's going to say, you know what, let's just let it ride. You know, our pricing, pr they're they're going to go up, but maybe the pricing pressures won't be um, as bad. Well, I mean, for all the talk we've had about Intel and being beholden to shareholders and being having to be very careful what they say on public record, I can't imagine them walking back. A statement that they're going to raise prices. I mean, that'd be great for consumers, but I, I would be surprised if they completely walk that back. Well, you know, I, I think it, but you know, the shareholders understand that, yeah, you can't, if you just raise the prices now because I want my money right now, I think they also understand that long term the money's going to dry up if they, like, if they launch at $50 more than, than a 7600X, but it's at, performance parity or close or losing in some key key areas who the hell's gonna buy it guess we'll see yeah we'll see right uh we got an another five dollar super chat from vc jester said i i didn't buy a cummins for efficiency i bought it to pull tractors out of a ditch <laughs> right, cool. there you go <laughs> uh very valid reason <laughs> a couple more questions and we'll we'll get out of here um uh, I've never, uh, VC Jester, sorry, uh, question he had a little bit ago uh, over on Discord. Uh, I've never been one to assume that big cases automatically equals better cooling. It is silly to assume that, so Gordon, would you concede to small form factor if Adam could show you how the exact same hardware in the popular glass front NZXT will be way hotter than his personal small form factor build? Well, I mean, that's, I would say, I suspect I could get a uh, in the glass very very popular case um you can you you could just the physical space gives you an advantage even on that case like i mean the the the, the air inlets is it wait, an issue wait, so if, if, I have, if i have a really huge pc well, and then I, j I just tape off every inlet just because it's bigger, it's just, I just you get an advantage. Are there also what but what also well, should we also then take an all glass small four factor? And compare it to a full-size? point of that. Well, what's the point of that, then? The point is he's saying just because it's big doesn't mean it's going to have good cooling. <laughs> well, you want, if you want to play that game, I could just take the side of the damn case off, okay? I mean, See, that's what we post, used to do. Yeah, that's, that's... But no, I mean, but I'm just saying a larger case gives you physically more potential. And cooling. you could um, also have an open air small form. Uh, all right. Build. You know, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. <laughs> we are going to do this. Yes. We are going to do this. We're going to take a Threadripper 32 That's core <laughs> and then we are going to put in a small four factor and we're going to put it in a full size tower case in that NZXT and see which one runs better. So what we're going to do is we're going to take the same exact parts, the same exact parts. <laughs> And the one, thread ripper, and, and one of them the, is going to be in a a, a tower cooler. The thread tower, ripper, and one of them is going to be in small form factor. Let me let me tell you, I'm Wendell from Level One Techs. 
I need well, my it's thread so funny ripper. You, 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 I wait, need wait, my wait, 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 256 wait. gigs of RAM. If 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 can, what you're saying is that? if you what you're saying is true, it doesn't matter what part. Why why do you keep coming back to the thread ripper? Gordon? Well, because <laughs> Elena. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. Because Elena is saying they're the part, same. Any they're part, the same. any part's the same. Any part's the same. So you know. Yes, yes. I, I'm going to put Raspberry Pi in both of them, and that will be like no. But you, but. You do understand why you can't do some parts in. A, it's just, no, no. There are so physical you're, limitations. You're, ta you're talking about the fact that, like, how many Threadripper Mini ITX boards are out there. You're talking about availability versus actual like heating and cooling. I don't think they have like. Let's they, do Threadripper Pro. Let's do Threadripper Pro. <laughs> oh, exactly. We'll do that. Yeah. We're we'll okay. do Pro. Yeah, great. So you're conceding that you don't think it'll actually work then. Because, think what won't work? Well, because you're saying just because <laughs> something doesn't exist. We're not going to do it. I say it is, even though if you. So you need to step away from the stupid Threadripper idea, Gordon. You cannot. Because guess what? Guess what? There are, hot, there are hot parts. Like, I don't know why you keep going to Threadripper because that's just about availability. Screw availability. We can use really hot off-the-shelf parts and still do the same thing. And it doesn't you have to be Threadripper. You cannot. It's just It's just simple. A larger physical box gives you more potential power supply, gives you more potential cooling, gives you more potential components. You make small form factor is always going to be a compromise versus a full size desktop. The question you, is, you always said a performance Ryzen, loss. Yeah, there is a performance loss because and, when and you get into the higher end it? bands, why don't we test it? Yeah, because you want to basically pick something it? that runs perfectly fine within the thermal and power envelope. No, no, of I'm the saying parts. let's let's pick the let's pick the hardest parts that we can get that have availability. We don't have to go to to Threadripper, dude. We can go to any hot parts you want, man. Let's let's do it. Thirty eight hundred K and thirty eighty. Guess guess yeah. Guess what? Twelve nine hundred K and a thirty ninety Ti, right? I mean, thirty ninety is too big for small yeah, form factor, though. Yeah, I, well, I, I, but thirty eighty you can get dual slot. Thirty eighty Ti is pretty much a thirty ninety, so yeah, thirty eighty Ti. But then again, haven't you like thirty ninety is not exactly that's not exactly exotic these days. Hell, I bought three. I said, <laughs> Jay, screw you. I'm buying three thirty. I didn't buy three, you know but what? I'm just I'm saying, like, give him the thirty ninety because that should fit in the meshalicious. Yes, that can do up to like three and a half slot cars. I think even four slots. So. Wow. Yeah. So a 3090 Ti. So, so we're talking most powerful 3090 Ti and a 12900K. No. Man, how many 3090 Ti's do you have laying around there? <laughs> I have I have one 3090 Ti, and that's not going to go into a small form factor box. Just no. like, guess what? A Thread Ripper doesn't go into a small form factor then box. Then why are we even arguing this? Oh because you keep saying that no matter what, whenever you throw in a small form factor, you're gonna you're gonna have a loss of performance. I don't understand what the problem is. So can you not admit that just simply having more cooling and more power and more fans? But, that's, but that is the argument you're making, Gordon, is disconnected from the point that the original question was making, which is not all cases of the size that you're championing have good airflow and that some of those cases that are not as good can be worse than small form factor so for you to universally say that just that bigger is better is not applicable that's the only point they're trying to make and it's like you keep like going around like this it's like a simple it's a simple <laughs> assumption that what i'm saying a good case a good larger case is going to be better than a good small case like what? Why are we gonna like? We want to do the like? Oh well, 
like, did I say the worst big case is better than the best small case? I mean, what? I mean, that could be the case. No pun intended. (laughs) I mean, in some in some scenarios, that could potentially be the case. Like nobody, nobody has really discuss this right and now we are so we're trying to hash that out because that's what this person also what i'm saying is that gordon you're 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 giving an opinion when you haven't tested it and i'm saying let's do a build-off let's get the parts let's do a build-off and guess what if i'm wrong i'm wrong but guess what i haven't tested it i haven't done that head-to-head test where i take the exact same parts one's in a bigger case one's in a smaller case so So how do you then how do you so then how would you how would you build? I mean, again, so like what? Best big case versus best small case? Is that what you're saying? No. no. I mean, <laughs> so why, why don't we figure it out? Why don't we figure it out? <laughs> something that you're comfortable with, something I'm comfortable with, and that makes sense. The laws of physics just simply says more is better. For the, and when you're talking about performance, it's just, it's just something. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I have one last really good question before we get out of here uh from vc jester who i'm sure is loving this uh says what is the better fall beverage apple cider or pumpkin spice apple cider hands down wait what part of the country are we in because brad is in new hampshire that actually gets a proper fall that's fair Mm, yeah does the bay area really get a fall yeah i mean a little bit it's a short one (laughs) i mean but just you know, if you were to live somewhere that had a, a, a nice fall, what, what's your go-to? What, what are you reaching for? Apple cider or pumpkin spice? Well, I would tell you, there is a brand of cider, hard cider that I like called Down East Cider. And they make an apple cider donuts fall special. And they make a pumpkin spice fall special. And they're both freaking wonderful. But the apple cider one sells out the day that it shows up in the area. It's delectable. I would vote for apple cider. There is something just very cozy. So like we don't we don't really get that cold until probably December, which is technically fall, like if you count the first part of December. But I have really good memories of attending like a friend's like annual December holiday party and she always makes this like apple cider with like actual like cinnamon sticks like boiling yeah. in it and there's just something about like the chill in the air with like the, the cinnamon and the hot drink that I really like so I think that'd be my vote add a little bit of caramel it's a game changer <sighs> you have such great suggestions with the bacon <laughs> and McRib and like I got I'm a fat guy so <laughs> <laughs> I guess apple cider probably what i'd go for really yeah yeah I'd, I'd go pumpkin spice i like i uh i was in target what was it like a uh i think it was target i don't know no 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 it was safeway uh like weeks ago and they had uh pumpkin spice um what are those yogurt covered pretzels um I can't flips remember. flips yeah yeah Maybe. whatever that yeah. brand is and the lady the lady who was 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 checking me out was like was like Oh no! It started. The season started. <laughs> this is the first item I've seen somebody buy that had pumpkin spice, and, and they were like, "Oh no, the season started already." I'm like, "Yeah, give me all the pumpkin spice." That, that's all that's I'm me. saying is that pumpkin spice is a great thing, but you know what it's best in? Actual pumpkin pie. So just give me a cup of apple cider and a slice of pumpkin pie, and I'm set. <laughs> I, you know, the funny Hard thing agree. Is- I don't even know what pumpkin spice is, so maybe that's why. The only exposure I think I've seen to pumpkin spice is the SNL Sam Adams pumpkin spice 
commercial, which is mm. was got Bill Burr in it. It's, it's delightful. Yeah, yeah. Also, yeah, you should go look at that uh, SNL skit. It's uh, pretty delightful. It, too, it probably makes more sense too because I have a huge sweet tooth. I think pumpkin spice is always sweeter than apple cider. So yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I should <laughs> so, add caramel to it. Uh, there you go. Pro, <laughs> pro tip. Pro tip. All right. Uh, it's been a couple hours because we started pretty much on time. So why don't uh, Gordon, you, you take us out of here? Oh, I gotta find my notes. Sorry, I was. Note I gotta. Time. And you got to take your dog for a walk, unless yeah, boy, it's, it's already uh, it's already died. Yeah, been two hours. Me. I need to take B for a walk. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Check back next week for your fix of PC Talk on the Full Nerd. For audio listeners, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you're on one of those services, please leave a review. Every time you do, someone argues the laws of physics don't apply to cases. <laughs> Send questions and comments to thefullnerd.pcworld.com. Thanks for coming. I'm Gordon Young with Brad Charkas. I'm more confused than I was a couple hours ago. <laughs> Adam, uh, Elena oh, doesn't believe in physics. Me. No, I was, I'm in my notes. Was that a punishment for not believing <laughs> in the physics you believe in? The note, the notice isn't here. Elena doesn't believe in big cases. Ye. That's actually not true. And and Adam doesn't believe in actual physics. Patrick Murray. Oh my goodness! Uh, thank you all, and thank you again for joining us for uh, for our, our live stream when we were in Texas. We had a good time seeing everybody. Uh, we actually did shoot uh, three videos that, that'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, two of them with Steve, and one of them with Wendell. So uh, look forward to that because it's fun stuff. So thank you, everybody. We will see you later. Goodbye. Oh. You know, I can move a mattress, a mattress on my Toyota Corolla. Just as easily as a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get that last one in there before you got to cut out.